Hello, and welcome to what will be the first of many Nashy casts or podcasts about Paul Nashy's films. We're not really sure exactly what we're going to call it at this point. My name is Rod Barnett, and uh, my cohort in crime is Troy Gwynn. And uh, we uh, both reside in Nashville, Tennessee, and we are affirmed Paul Nashy fans, have been for years. Uh, I came to Paul Nashy much later in life than Troy. Uh, Troy, what was your first encounter with Paul Nashy and his films? All right. Uh, in the 1970s in Nashville, we had a, a, a station, Channel 17. It was called a uh, great station for seeing horror movies. Uh, Saturday was Saturdays were were great because you would have generally in the in the afternoon you would have two horror films back to back, and then later in the day they showed two more back to back. So you usually got about four horror movies every Saturday, and so well, really, not not at night, not. Yeah, right at night you would turn over to Channel Two, and there would be more horror movies. You know, remember these were the wonderful days before info, <laughs> and wonderful days before infomercials. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, of course. So, uh, our first encounter was—I don't want to say too much about this film because I know this is one of our favorites, and we'll be we'll be yeah. going over it soon. But it was Horror Rises from the Tomb. Yeah. And I think at the time it aired was when we uh, currently were without a color TV. Uh, do you remember the old great portable black and whites that everybody had? <laughs> yeah, so, I had, had one in my bedroom for years. Yeah. So I actually think the first uh, Nashy that I saw was was on a was on it was actually in black and white on one of these small portable black and whites. But uh, myself and my older brother never forgot the film. It really stuck with us. Uh, and now at the time, of course, I didn't think, oh, this is a Spanish film. Who's acting it out? You know, I was still pretty young. I was more just reacting to the fact that it was great horror. And unlike anything else that I was really seeing, you know, I had already had a, yeah. I'd grown up watching all the Universal films, all the Hammer films, you know, they'd show on the afternoon movie and that sort of thing. But uh, uh, yeah, but this this was something something different. And then a couple of years after that, uh, I, they showed actually the film we're going to be talking about tonight. Okay. Uh, under the title of Frankenstein's Bloody Terror. And I, I believe I must have been gone. I know I didn't see the whole film. I think I must have got home, looked at the paper, see what was on, saw this title, Frankenstein's Bloody Terror, probably ran as fast as I could to the TV <laughs> to turn it on, and uh, got to see about the last 30 minutes of it. And uh, noticed pretty quickly there was not a Frankenstein monster, as we'll be getting into, yeah. uh, but, but there were sure a lot of other things that just, again, looked great. And I think the reason that I never forgot these films, or the reason they stuck with me, because there was plenty of forgettable horror movies that would come on at the same that, that channel 17 was showing also um you know this being in the 70s was of course the the golden era of horror black and white horror comics uh, magazines you know like oh, eerie the, the, the warren magazine eerie creepy, creepy all the the sky stuff. Yeah, the yeah. Skywald stuff um and to me those films uh one of the things i think that's that struck me and, and and why i didn't forget them and why i was really drawn to them is because they seem to have a lot of the same sensibilities of these of those really visceral gritty black and white horror magazines that I was getting at the same yeah, time. Yeah, uh, the basically the idea of uh, actual monsters. We're mm -hmm. talking mm -hmm. uh, man-made creatures, wolfmen, mm -hmm. yeah. vampires, but really visceral, vi mm -hmm. really visceral, bloody right. violence that mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. kind of combined with it. And yeah, I can see what you're saying. I never uh, I at, during during that same time during the seventies, I was reading every comic book I could get my hands on, right. as well as mm -hmm. the black and white magazines mm -hmm. like, uh, <clears throat> like like Creepy and Eerie. Mm -hmm. But uh, I never at that time, the closest I ever got to seeing a movie uh, during the 70s when I was when I was a kid, when I, during mm -hmm. the 70s, that really kind of matched Creepy and Eerie was was Hammer's Frankenstein meet in The Monster from Hell. Right. That was the, yeah. the one that uh, I could say kind mm -hmm. of fit that mm -hmm. little niche. It was really mm -hmm. kind of bizarre and off-putting. Yeah. 
at one point the monster shoves that broke big broken glass thing at the camera and scares <laughs> exactly. the crap out of me and you know on a saturday or sunday afternoon which is odd but and i think one thing too that that is interesting to note is that when you look at the not only Warren magazines but the Skywald magazines, that so many of the artists were Spanish, which I think is interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. At the same time, yeah. it was a Spanish horror and Nashi and what he was doing. So many of those artists were Spanish, uh, and so again, I think we're talking a lot of the same shared kind of sensibilities or approach to horror. You know, is this this yeah. gothic giving you the gothic stuff, but also throwing in this kind of real, real visceral, you know, real gory stuff. And yeah, I, we'll, we'll get into that as we discuss the yeah. the film and, and 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 its story. But that's a good that's a good. Uh, that's a good point. I had not thought about because, as I said, I never really, yeah. com- I never really connected those two in my in, in my own well, my own early life. And speaking of connect, the where I connected the dots on Nashi, just to sum up here, and, and then is that there was a really monumental event that happened for all fans of, of horror or people like us who who got into to European horror was the publication of the Penguin Encyclopedia of Horror that was edited oh. by Phil Hardy. Yes, uh, still one of the most amazing reference horror reference books, and and I think it's kind of a touchstone for a lot of people who who are into horror now, as far as what really opened their eyes to European cinema. Because in this book, in this in this uh, Penguin Encyclopedia of Horror, uh, was the first time I'd ever read about Coffin Joe, about. Jess Franco about Paul Nashie and, and I began to see when I began to read the descriptions of these films that I had remembered seeing and I began to see then this name uh, Paul Nashie turn up again and again and that's where it really connected with me and started to kind of set me on that path of course this was also followed immediately by the golden age of of um, the boom in uh, uh, bootleg videotape dealers that you began yes. to see you know? yes, so, yes so that's kind of where that's that that sort of you know one once that encyclopedia came out once I could connect a name to those then that really kind of Set me off on, on hunting these things down. Fortunately, through all these great bootleg uh, VHS dealers uh, that came out when we started seeing magazines like Psychotronic magazine. Yes. Psychotronic and was all these a huge ads. Yeah. So anyway, that's me. And uh, so, how did you come into? To, how did you first get introduced to the great Mr. Nashi? I had heard and read about Paul Nashi and his films uh, for a very long period of time. I would say years before I ever had the opportunity to actually see one. <clears throat> it wasn't until the '90s that I saw one. I had seen pictures from them before I actually got to see them. Um, I heard about them through various magazines, read about them in a few reference books, <clears throat> never got the chance to see one until the 90s, and the first one I actually got to see, I had actually purchased. There was a, I had moved, uh, this is after I moved to Murfreesboro, uh, a, vi- a local mom-and-pop video store was shutting down and selling off all their inventory, and just because it was so cheap, I picked up the the uh, big clamshell VHS uh, tapes Mm -hmm. that they were selling. I cannot remember what I paid for it, but it had to be (laughs) incredibly small. Um, Of Night of the Howling Beast Mm -hmm. and House of Psychotic Women. And uh, picked them up because they were Paul Nashie films, and I went, well, here's my opportunity. And uh, loved both the films. They're both both fantastic films. I I really do enjoy the heck out of them. Very different films, Mm -hmm. and we will eventually talk about both of them. But um, that was my introduction. After that, I, I was lucky enough to come across um, a fantastic magazine that did nothing but delve specifically into him and his films with a big interview with him and having him comment on almost all of his films, mm-hmm. which, was, which is great because even after reading that, uh, this magazine came out in 94. Um, it was years before I had the opportunity to see any or all of those films and still to this day i've not seen a number of them i'm still trying to get my greedy paws on (laughs) on a lot of them but um so i came to it very late in the game um 
I think one of the things that had actually pushed me to seek them out even more than I normally would have was actually talking to you. And at mm-hmm. the time, right. this was the uh, early 90s, you were really enthusiastic about them whenever we, would, whenever we would talk about them. And I had not, at that point, um, really felt like, wow, I'll go and seek these out. Right. Uh, around, that, around, the, uh, around that time, I was also getting into, uh, I was realizing the bootlegging system that was out there, mm-hmm. being able to track down things that just weren't normally available. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, lo and behold, I have to admit, though, uh, the ones that I first saw were, were early VHS releases, those big clamshell boxes that <laughs> uh, have now gone the way of the dust. Yes. But um, that's how I came to him. I've Since then, I've, I don't know how much money I've spent on bootleggers and various various versions of his films. Uh, luckily today we've got quite a number of them on, yeah, on decent yeah. DVDs and we can get a mm-hmm. good good look at a lot of these things with really nice transfers but uh, used to used to definitely watch them through uh, a haze of uh, <clears throat> fifth generation mm-hmm. d- dubs yeah. from just wherever they came from right and I think you know I know I guess I, mean, I know we were going to mention this at some point here but it would, the uh, and this wasn't really maybe not even our catalyst for getting into this we probably would have done this at some point anyway but it should be noted for those that don't know that uh, Paul Nashi just just passed away at uh, yes. just literally about two months ago, um, and so really all of his work now is before us, and so maybe that is why this is the best time to this now, as he belongs to the ages now, as they say, and True. and True. and uh, and so this may be the best time to uh, go ahead and then start looking at his work and, and evaluating it. And I and I guess we should kind of uh, at this point state the purpose of what we're doing here, which is really just to uh, go through his films one film at a time. In no particular order, we uh, we first considered the idea of going through them chronologically, and then realized how difficult that would be, and also how limiting it would be. Uh, so we're going to jump around. Um, we're probably going to do uh, one of the one of the bigger titles from his filmography next, but then we may jump around a bit. But tonight, uh, we're going to delve into his first monster film. Um, I should say also, as one of the things that drove me to want to seek out his films, mm-hmm. was. Um, <clears throat> What little I knew about him really intrigued me, and the things that really drew me to him was not, that not only was he uh, the actor in the films, but he often wrote the screenplays, right. uh, occasionally directed, mm-hmm. and had a hand in designing the uh, makeup effects as well, at least the uh, the makeup on him, the especially the Wolfman makeup. Um, this seemed to me to be just an absolutely astonishing thing because uh, I, I learned long before then about the, the makeup man and what they did. And anybody who's seen something as astonishing as the transformation sequences in an American world from London is mm-hmm. well aware of the magic that can be produced with right. good makeup men. Right. And the idea that uh, in the late 60s and early 70s there was a man who wrote, produced, directed, acted, and had a hand in making the makeups as well. Now, of course, at this point, I'm not sure exactly how much credit he ended up as time mm-hmm. went by, mm-hmm. how much credit he actually took for doing the makeups. But he did. I know he did have a hand in wanting wanting them to look a particular way. Right. Um, but we'll get into that and his uh, indebtedness to um, Lon Chaney Jr.'s uh, Wolfman from 1941 as right. we go along. All right, tonight we start with uh, Frankenstein's Bloody Terror, as it was known here in the United States. Uh, the actual proper name of the film, uh, although it has many titles. Actually, I think it would be funny to just list off this the did, various yeah, titles yeah. <laughs> uh, this film has been known as. Uh, the real title, the, 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 the title given to it by its author and the people who made the film is The Mark of the Wolfman. That's the real title, and that's the title I prefer to call it. Uh, also known as uh, 
the vampire of Dr. Dracula. I think that's my favorite. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, the werewolf's mark, mm-hmm. which is not bad. No. The wolfman of Count Dracula, which, that's not bad, really. Yeah, the, it's, uh, it's, it's more accurate. Maybe. Yeah. And this one, I, I, I like this one a lot, too. Uh, Hell's Creatures. No, that one that one's pretty good. That one, uh, that one tells you nothing. Yeah, but it also is kind of makes you think of the Devil's Brood, which is the original title for House of Frankenstein, the working title for House of Frankenstein, which is kind of a nice. Uh, I think I'm right about that. Uh, oh, you can take the the yeah. monster geek out of uh, it. No, okay. Well, anyway, <clears throat> those are the various titles. The Mark of the Wolfman, um, being the the title it was shot under, and its real quote unquote mm-hmm. title. Uh, but in this country, in the United States at least, it was known as Frankenstein's Bloody Terror. Now you may well ask. How do we get from the Mark of the Wolfman to Frankenstein's Bloody Terror? (laughs) Exactly. Thereby hangs a tail. Okay. As I understand it, and just stop me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. uh, the film was shot and released pretty much everywhere else in the world in 1968, the year of my birth. Anyway, um, but not shown in the United States for several years. It finally, several years later, in 72, got picked up uh, by Sam Sherman's company, uh, Independent International, right. and released over here. And at the time, apparently, uh, he and his people were convinced that uh, films with Frankenstein in the title were going to make more money, or just more profitable, or mm-hmm. easier to sell, or whatever. So they decided to call it Frankenstein's Bloody Terror, which is a nice generic car title, I assume, in a way. And uh, to cover the fact that... Um, there's no Frankenstein in the film. There is no Frankenstein. There is no Frankenstein's monster. There's nothing no. of that nature. They did something right at the beginning of the film in the opening credits to indicate this. Okay. I know, before you go into that, exactly uh, what to do in the credits, I actually can interject a little more based on your what Sam Sam Sherman, my understanding, or what Sam Sherman says and, and his wonderful audio commentary, by the way. If you have any, any DVDs you can get a hold of that has Sam Sherman audio commentary, Listen to it's yes. worth the price of yes because yeah. even uh, if the even if the film is terrible. Speaking of which, yeah. uh, what happened was, uh, as I understand it, Al Adamson, uh, who as we know is, <laughs> is, is <laughs> Al Adamson. Uh, yes. We probably won't be doing a series on Al Adamson's no, films. Probably not. But anyway, Al Adamson did a film called Dracula versus Frankenstein. Yes. Which had been completed, and I believe that that was the film that Independent International had promised to all of their outlets that they were going to give them all these theaters they had all these theaters lined up to give them dracula versus frankenstein by adamson but it was being held up in some sort of legal the prints were being Uh, held back in some sort of legal entanglement uh and so once again that's another reason why now i think you're right about you know they probably did feel that the frankenstein name was more marketable but also they had well and that was one of the reasons they had promised all these this frankenstein film had all these drive-ins and theaters set up for it Suddenly, they had nothing to deliver. And basically, basically, Frankenstein in the title seemed to be money in the bank at the yeah. time. So. And they went into panic mode and started viewing all these film, any film they could that they might be able to use as a substitute. And that's where they came across uh, the Mark of the Wolfman. And so, yes, go ahead and tell them this wonderful oh. way that they uh... what the, what they decided to do <laughs> to um, turn the Mark of the Wolfman into Frankenstein's Bloody Terror is we have an opening credit sequence uh, that's animated. It's nice, nice. You know, nice animation. I can't fault the animation. No, but it's it, actually very neat artwork. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very neat. Very, very, uh, very monster stylish. Mm. Very much in the, the creepy, eerie mm. vein. And not a bad enough. likeness of Nashi. It actually shows a no, Frankenstein no. monster turning into Paul Nashi. Turning into Nashi, turning into uh, But what it does is it, it uh, in a voiceover with this animation, it explains that um, 
the legendary Frankenstein family underwent a, uh, how did they put it? I can't remember, but essentially the name changed over time mm. from Frankenstein yeah. to Wolfstein. The way they put it is an ancient curse brands the family of Frankenstein as Wolfstein. And then he says again, Wolfstein, Wolfstein, just so you make sure you didn't miss it. Don't and, look. Don't. Yeah, and, and they've got it right there in, in your yeah. face on the screen in the first place where they mm. have Frankenstein mm. up there and then it, the Frank mm. in morphs into Wolfstein. And of course, uh, this was this this was. I'm assuming someone watched the film and uh, went, "Well, this character they've named Wolfstein, and it's presented there in the film mm-hmm. with that name. Ooh, Frankenstein. That's what mm-hmm. we'll do. We'll run yeah. with that." And uh, oh God, they did. So <laughs> that's why you have this very odd opening for Frankenstein's Bloody Terror that uh, has absolutely no relation to what the film is actually about but there you have it I, I said that i think today now i think if they put out a film say with nicole kidman you know a guy, a guy that totally bombs and then <laughs> five months later they re-release it under a different title you know so they, they, this is the but this is the thing you and i know love about these i wouldn't take anything for this stuff that's what we love no, about no, this no. drive-in era when this kind of thing happened constantly i mean it's mm-hmm. you know if a film bombed you just took it changed the name threw it out there again and see if maybe yeah throw it throw, <laughs> throw it at the drive-ins under a different title you know pair it with some other film and see what happens yeah um, anyway, that's that that that's the the intro. Now, um, the film the film then the the film proper then begins and it starts uh, in a a ballroom, a, a big masquerade ball that's ongoing. That at first, I mean, the the first images you see of it, it's not at all clear what time period the film takes place in. But then quickly enough, we see uh, two men speaking and they're dressed in a suit and tie. They're off to the side, kind of as they they look to be chaperones of some type. And it's very clear that this is a contemporary story. It takes place in modern times. And this masquerade ball is uh, taking place in a large, uh, very opulent home. And um, we are very quickly introduced to uh, the the male-female leads. And uh, Nashi's character comes in and and, uh, is a bit of a jerk. Now, I should tell you up front that uh, I have now seen... That uh, that one of the major differences, one of the ways the film was trimmed down from its Mm, Spanish version version is this this opening bit this opening mm-hmm. stuff with the masquerade ball with the mm-hmm. masquerade ball was much longer in the spanish version including mm-hmm. uh seeing nashi in his masquerade costume driving to mm-hmm. the place and mm-hmm. a lot of different stuff like that that honestly is extraneous you can see it would be the kind of thing where look, let's just go ahead and get to the story let's go ahead and get things moving that's kind of what sam sherman says too is that he basically tri- turned you know took almost the first two reels out because he did just felt like it just didn't get to the the, the, the punch, you know, quick enough for uh, uh, American audiences. And, and he also makes the point, too, that when Nashi introduces himself to the couple, and now he has a, he, his character name, of course, Waldemar Daninsky, which, you know, would soon, yeah. which would end up being the, the name uh, that he would always go under, sort of a, as the, in the way that Lon Chaney Jr. was always known as Larry Talbot. And his character right. was Larry With Talbot the, the in the film. That's his Wolfman name. The character is Waldemar Daninsky. Yeah. And uh, then he introduced himself. He comes off as almost a sinister character yes. which is in total contrast to really what you find out about him and in a way that's well i think that's kind of interesting because mm-hmm. um in all honesty the way he the, the first thing he says or the first the, his introduction to uh the, the female lead the character's name is janice is uh she asks who he is because they're all wearing mm-hmm. masks and he says that he's his satanic majesty mm-hmm. and he's saying it with kind of a sneer on his face as if he, you, you realize that he's just joking around, but at the same time, there's a sinister undertone to right. it, and you're you're right. wondering, well, what kind of jerk is this? Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, the first few things we see him do in the film, he is being, mm-hmm. a, being a jerk. He he's being quite yeah. a bit of a jerk. He's very obviously muscling in on the on the right. other guy who's 
on on Rudolph. Uh, Ru- Rudolph, Rudolph and, and Janice, Janice are the yeah. are the couple who, uh, the two chaperones at the ball that are their respective parents. And it's very obvious that these two uh, are kind of quote unquote faded for each other in one direction or another as far as the the parents are concerned. And the 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 the, the, the Rudolph and Janice do seem to feel that this is going you know that they that they will be together in one way or not in one way or another they've known each other since childhood and it just seems to be the way of things right uh which is the first indicator to me of the gothic roots of this this very uh Mm -hmm. aristocratic wealthy family i mean Mm -hmm. uh, janice uh essentially is a countess right and she's referred to that referred to as such later on um which brings me to a question that i'll ask later on about the, the, the period setting okay um from that we, we, we we're now introduced to, to Valdemar. Uh, appears to be a jerk. Uh, then uh, the the scene that the, the scene that follows that gives us more information about the character is the sequence. Um, what 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 is it? A, is it a flower shop? I can't remember. Uh, at, at any rate, or an Janice, antique shop or something. Antique something shop. That That's she's it. Got, it's an yeah. antique shop where Jan- Janice goes into and we get some uh, rather uh, ham-fisted exposition uh, <laughs> from. Uh, Two uh, old gossiping, go- two gossiping old ladies who uh, just really quickly relate uh, uh, that uh, Valdemar is a, a you know uh, aristocratic ne'er do well whose family is now poor and um, he was a son of wealth but he's either gambled away a lot of the money and didn't have that much of it when he inherited it in the first place and and uh, it's uh, losing it's his estate, losing his estate yeah. and all this that and the other. Uh, it's 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 uh, it, it is very ham fisted and it's one of the, it's one of those things that. Uh, over the course of time, you learn to just kind of take sure. in a lot of the screenplays written by Nashi, uh, simply because that's mm-hmm. just how he that's just how he communicates this information. Yeah. It's it is often very clunky, but what 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 can you say? It's part and parcel of the joy mm-hmm. of these things. Is like okay, yeah. here's the clunky exposition telling us how we're supposed to think about this guy. Right, right, and and the fact that you know these are dubbed. Uh, at, yes. at least we at least you know in this DVD release, uh, uh, there's not a Spanish and alternate. Spanish version, language version. So what you have to hear is English dub, and right. always with a dubbed soundtrack, there's just a more of a disconnect from the characters and what they say. Even if what they say matches their lips, there's still just that kind of that makes what they say come off even more sure. flat and comes off even more sounding staged a lot of times. You know, even if the voice might not be a bad voice and it might not be acted bad, but there's just something about the separation between. Well, now now, now that you brought that up, let's let, let me go ahead and pose this question. Okay. Uh, do you what did you think or what do you think of the dubbing in this film? You know, I actually didn't find it distracting in the sense of feeling of seeming to be again out of sync. Um, yeah, well, I, I never, I never felt it was out of sync. Never once felt right, like it was out of sync. Right, this is, this it's is, actually a pretty good yeah. dub job. I mean, I, I, was I, happy I and with also, it too. and I also didn't find that there was um, a, a great amount of inappropriate voices. The voices seemed to no, fit no. the characters. So uh, I will again, go, I, I will go out of my way to tell you that I really thought that the fellow who dubbed Nashi himself. Was Quite fantastic. I really good. like his voice. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm sure we could contact Tim Lucas. He could tell us who the fellow's name. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any idea who it mm-hmm. is. But I think that it's one of the best dub jobs for Nashi mm-hmm. in one of his films of that period. Mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I like the dubbing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This is this is back when I felt that uh, since so many films, if not you know mm-hmm. close to eighty percent of the of exported films were automatically mm-hmm. dubbed. Mm-hmm. I think the the level of professionalism at that time really shows even mm-hmm. in these mm-hmm. low budget monster films that we're mm-hmm. talking about. 
I think it's very good dub, and I really like the voice choices as well. And I think as we go on, we'll discover that's one of the traits of this film is it's actually a pretty lavish production. Yes, yes. It is. I mean, it's a very technically well done production. Well, we'll let's let's about. let's back up for a second. Something okay. maybe we should have talked about beforehand. Uh, this is a pretty lavishly produced thing. This movie, and it tells you right in the opening mm. credits, uh, this thing was produced in seventy millimeter. Chillerama. Yeah, <laughs> Chillerama, seventy millimeter. Uh-huh. And as as. Uh, becomes as as you find out. I did not know this at when I when I first viewed the film, except mm. uh, as a tale told out of you know mm. told in, in legend. It was shot to be in projected in three D. Sure now yeah. it was very rarely shown in three D mm. because uh, especially in the United States because uh, well if you believe Sherman they really couldn't get well they couldn't get the the, the lenses unfortunately and he he says you know again he tells the whole sorry tale how they basically uh, believed this company who. There was there was a certain type of 3D lens that Sherman really trusted in and wanted to yeah. use, and uh, but this company who was going to handle the 3D showing of this film were insistent on using this other 3D lens that they developed that they were developing. Um, so he booked all these theaters to have this great premieres and you know to release the film in 3D. Right. Now should also say they had already released the film once and it was doing great in 2D, yeah. and they yanked it because they suddenly found that they could show it in 3D, and uh, Sherman's apparently kicking himself to this day for the fact that he. <laughs> took this very successful film off the market so that they could re-release it in 3D. They set up these premieres. He, According to Sherman, there, it's only it literally was only shown one time in, in really accurate, beautiful 3D. I had one showing ever. Uh, and every other showing was using this lens, which basically on the week of that they're going to premiere this film or send it out to all these theaters with this other lens, the company admits it's actually not a good lens. It's, it's not going to work for us, you know. And so they had to show this film with this horrible 3D lens where it's, it made it far too dim, could hardly see it. <laughs> Very sad story because uh, it, it probably in 3D is is probably in in good 3D. It's it's probably a, a, a beautiful looking film. Probably... Well, let's 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 talk about the 3D for just a second because mm -hmm. uh, never having seen it in 3D, we can only guess. Right, but right. Uh, having watched the film a couple of times with an eye toward um, what's in the foreground, what's in the background, and and the kind of possible mm -hmm. layering that a 3D mm -hmm. a, a good 3D presentation might give us. Um, do you think it, I what? Obviously, it might have added something to it, but I'm not altogether sure that it might have added a lot. Uh, there are scenes that I think would be would have been very interesting. The the scenes where Valdemar is chained to the wall mm -hmm. and is, mm -hmm. is jerking around during mm -hmm. the transformation scene, and his mm -hmm. and his and like one hand will suddenly re-anchor yeah. right toward the camera lens, mm -hmm. things of that nature. But then there are also <laughs> there are also moments in the film that I don't think anybody making the movie would be that proud of. Yes, that uh, just do not. I don't. I don't think they would translate well to 3D because I think the the mm. reaction would be inadvertent laughter. Uh, in many right. cases. In many well, cases. I know there's one that made me laugh out loud too, but I may wait until we get to the part okay, of the well. plot and I'll but that literally maybe did because it is an awkward moment. But I think just to 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 get with what we're talking about right here, I think this film is fascinating to watch. Uh, I think it works for the fact that what it doesn't try and do in 3D, what it doesn't. Um, you said like you watched it and didn't realize that it was filmed in 3D, and I think that's one of the great things about this film is that. But it doesn't do a lot of the really seriously gimmicky things that you got from the True. majority. And True. I think, to me, every to me this film is so fascinating the way every shot is set up. It's obviously set up to make 
use of the 3D, but you know, you don't come somebody come on the screen suddenly and like do a yo-yo trick at the screen or something like that. Right, it's like right. there'll be almost every scene. Well, there'll there'll be uh, something there'll the be f- chains dangling in the foreground, yeah, just, or there'll be a tree limb that's kind of jutting toward the screen out of the left. And we should comment that the film was shot wide. This thing was yes, shot two, yes. three, five. This is right. a very wide shot film. So mm-hmm. essentially, they did have a big wide image to play with, and they did. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. there, there, yeah. there's almost always something interesting mm-hmm. uh, going on to one edge of the screen or the other. Very mm-hmm. rarely do you feel like that there's just extraneous material to the left or the right. Right, right. So I can only imagine not having ever seen it that way. I can't imagine how badly mm-hmm. panned and scanned it might have been on uh, on television. Yeah, in the 70s it's, it's, when and you again, saw it, I was so. too little to even know what widescreen. When I saw it, I didn't even know what widescreen was. I didn't even realize oh, yeah. that there was an end. So to me, I didn't. You know, I'm sure it was probably painful if I had known to. But, you know, I'm sure it was. <laughs> oh my god! But I was all I was thinking was all I was thinking was oh a Wolfman. Wolfman you know, and it's killing vampires. Wait, and blood, blood, you know. blood, snarling. I was quite satisfied. You know, so, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, uh, back to the film. At this point, uh, we uh, we are introduced to uh, the, uh, the 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 film takes place in Germany. We should we should lay out that mm-hmm. the film doesn't go out of its way to let you know that. Right. But it, there right. are hints, and it is finally very clear that the film takes place in Germany. Uh, we're introduced to the local uh, castle of Wolfenstein, which is something that uh, an area. And the castle itself, which is uh, not often visited by people, but mm. apparently Valdemar likes to go there because it's quiet. Mm-hmm. He'll go there because he can be left alone and there's no one around to bother him and he can kind of be there by himself. Uh, Rudolph and Janice go there. Um, mainly on her whim. I mean, it's kind of whim, your point. Yeah. She, she's a little bit more of a free spirit than Rudolph, you know, which I think, you know, plays into a little bit of her character and, and what her character does throughout the film there she's a little bit more adventurous and she kind of talks rudolph into let's explore this these grounds here let's explore this castle there they run across uh valdemar and he demonstrates his jerkiness just a tad bit there to rudolph where it's very obvious that he's flirting with uh, or at least kind of playing at flirting Mm -hmm. with janice and he relates the uh, castle castle wolfenstein story that it's uh, uh the polish family of wolfenstein uh, family legend of a, a werewolf curse and tells the tale of his uh, own grandfather who apparently participated in putting down the legendary Wolfstein mm-hmm. werewolf mm-hmm. Uh, decades before and um, kind of give, kind of even mm-hmm. gives you the whole love conquers all idea behind how you kill a werewolf which right. is it's not enough to mm-hmm. not enough to uh, jam uh, you know a, a silver dagger into the heart or put a couple of silver bullets into it it has to be done by to actually kill the werewolf it has to be done by someone who truly loves the person who's doing it and as we go further into these films we'll see that's one of nashi's favorite things about yes. the wolfman legend yes, he yes. loves that um i'm not altogether sure where that where that story element first cropped up um I was wondering that myself. I was yeah. uh, I was trying to remember if it was in one of the Universal films. Or... I don't know if it was or not. I think it may have been because I, I don't remember it. Well, no, wait a minute. Was it in the Wolfman? I mean, because it's his father who puts him down in the Wolfman. Well, it may not, but I don't know if they explicitly stated in the Did film. Yeah. Well, I think maybe it was you can help us, fab listeners. I don't know. Uh, yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> I think it was explicitly stated, at least to one degree or another. By House of Frank, no, the uh, House of Dracula, uh, with the uh, the female hunchback. Yeah, I think. Darn this! Darn, this that, just means I'm going to have to go back and watch those films again. I darn, hate, I hate darn, having darn, excuses darn. to go back and just watch all those Universal <laughs> films. Oh, <laughs> those monster rallies! Must I suffer through them again? <laughs> um, at any rate, I'm curious as to where 
um, he picked that up and ran with it. Mm. Uh, Nashi, Nashi would be the first to tell you that he pulled all these, you know, he pulled elements from everything under the sun, and this is no, mm-hmm. this is no right. um, uh, exception to that rule. And I'm just, I, I would be curious. I, I'd mm-hmm. like to backtrack and figure out where the the whole, uh, you know, love having to be a, a, a part of how you actually end mm-hmm. the werewolf's life forever, the right. wolfman's life. Pardon mm-hmm. me. So. Uh, we have that all laid out there in less ham. That's laid out less ham-fistedly than the mm-hmm. the, the gossiping yeah, right, old women laying right. out in Valdemar's back background. He's basically telling it while he's you know flirting with with Janice there. Right, right, right. Yeah. And she and she even's the one who relates the whole um, love aspect of it, which I thought was interesting. oh right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. Um, at, th- at this point, the three of the, the three of them leave the the, ca- the, the castle, and um, we we spot a couple of uh, gypsy travelers. Uh, in a, a, a horse horse drawn wagon, right out of a Universal right film. Out of here a in Universal the Universal horror film, where everybody says tooling around in hot rods. Here we get a gypsy exactly, couple coming exactly. in. Exactly. I mean, Val, Valdemar stops his uh, convertible uh, convertible sports car and helps them out mm-hmm. of a, a ditch where they're um, where they had been run off the road run by off the road by Rudolph. By Rudolph. Very interesting. I thought that was a nice mm-hmm. interesting thing in the plot there. Is and that's actually the first moment where you see uh, Daninsky being. A somewhat nice guy. Right. He does right. help them, and he just, he's not being a jerk about it. He's right. being quite nice, and he even directs them to that if they want to get out of the rain because it's apparently about it's about to storm. There's kind of fakeish looking mm-hmm. light, flashes of lightning, and he tells them about the castle and that there's mm-hmm. there's um, shelter there if they want to mm-hmm. bed down there for the night. It wouldn't be a problem, and it's obvious there's no malice in in what he's right. saying. He's, right. he's yeah. very he is being quite helpful, and he's a nice guy. Now, to comment on the two gypsies, it's a couple, male and a female. Uh, they appear to be in their late twenties, early thirties, and uh, the female is fine. I don't, I don't want to go on <laughs> yeah. and on about this for Rosanna a long Yanni. period of time. Uh, sorry, and that Rosanna Yanni, I believe. Uh, right? I cannot is remember her name. I believe that was a, who later right. uh, appeared in a couple other uh, uh, Nashi films. Um, I almost feel like I've, I'm gonna get back to that. I don't know if I've got that down here anyway, but I believe she does turn up in uh, a couple others. But I believe Rosanna Yanni was her name. Uh, yes, and please do not go by the. Uh, the names of the cast on the uh, film itself. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we we'll be the first to tell you that uh, Wee's Boy is from Tennessee, and we may very well mispronounce a few of these names because we ain't Spaniards. Uh, we will probably get a few of these names. We could pronounce from... the names in the opening credits of this film, but that's not their real names. That's not their real names. It's not really going to help <laughs> including anyone Paul Nashi at all. Exactly. So, uh, nevertheless, the the gypsy female is a very attractive woman who. Uh, I think must have been glued into her top because if she showed any more cleavage and leaned over any more and jiggled any more, the way that I don't know how those things didn't pop out. Like magic brazier is that's, all I can figure. That's when you're you're regretting the 3D not being there. Yes, uh, well, I see that's that's something I want to get to because as there, as the, the the couple of gypsies uh, come to the castle and um, get themselves settled and uh, start a fire, discover a couple of wine bottles which I can't believe didn't hadn't turned to vinegar by now. And get a little drunky wonky. There's a point where she is lying on a table, dead mm-hmm. center in the frame, with her breast thrust right at the screen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I kept thinking to myself, in 3D, this must have been, you know, this, this must have, if, if, any, if any kid at a drive in saw this in 3D, it would have yeah. awakened puberty immediately and possibly rushed him straight through. Um, well, apparently, there was only one theater that actually would have seen it in Elvis' yeah. glory. And so I, I'm sure every male that was in that one night was changed for. <laughs> <He's> you know, <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> Nevertheless, it was uh, uh, the, 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 the gypsy travelers um, take shelter in Castle Wolfenstein or Castle Wolfstein. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's an easy mistake. I know I do it. Yeah, too, easy, you know. easy mistake to make. They take shelter there. 
they uh, find some wine, they get drunk, and uh, the uh, the male, I can't remember the character's name, I hate to say this. I want to say that it was Charles, but I may have misunderstood that. Uh, you're talking about the, yeah, the, I almost want to say it was something like Nasha and Charles, or Tasha and Charles, or something like that. Something but, uh, like I tried. That. I wrote down with a question mark because I really couldn't catch exactly. That, that doesn't matter. At any rate, they uh, he discovers, uh, he's been looking around and he's discovered that there's a, a crypt in mm-hmm. the castle. And he suggests, after they're drunk, that maybe we should go there, uh, root around inside the crypts, and bet we can find, you know, something that these people were, these aristocrats were buried with, and we can we can make our fortune and be rich. And so they do this. Uh, this is a massive mistake mm-hmm. because not only do they find uh, the the crypt and several uh, uh, coffins and some skeletons and things of this nature, but they also manage to crack open the crypt or coffin or Sepulchre, I don't know, uh-huh. of the... Herr Wolfstein. Herr Wolfstein, the fellow who was put down several decades back mm-hmm. with a silver cross, or a silver... Uh, a cross with a silver dagger as, right. as, as its base through his heart. They crack it open, they see his body, which has not deteriorated, which which means that uh, anybody who's seen Wolfman or the Wolfman <laughs> films, the Universal Horror Film, no, yeah. they know this. Yeah. That means he's not really dead. He's just uh, being held in place by the mm-hmm. silver things stuck in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, of course, remove this, mm-hmm. and havoc ensues. Um, I like the way the film jumps from them them uh, desecrating the grave, mm-hmm. pulling out the, the silver cross, the dagger through his chest, and then we cut to mm-hmm. other scenes, and we learn that two other people have been found dead. Mm. So you like that? Oh, I, yes, I like this because we don't see, we only see the aftermath. We see the aftermath of what happened right there. Right. Uh, we don't see it occur. So the um, the question is the question is still kind of there. There's a part of me. I'm, I'm I'm wondering. Did you want? Did you did you want to see that initial attack? Because we don't. Well, I, it's not necessarily that it, I want to say it. It's just that you, you know you definitely you definitely got to be paying attention because it can yes. be a little confusing. Because I think you're you're automatically going to because they mentioned this couple by name that was was killed, Raquel and Johan. Johan. Right. If you didn't but, catch the name of the gypsy couple. But the thing is, I mean, mm-hmm. even if you're not paying attention, you'd know that those weren't the names because they don't they're not even close to the names that have been batted around by the mm-hmm. gypsies. Mm-hmm. So, and then they, they're immediately talking about that there were wolf attacks, two dead, mm-hmm. and, and found they, the they talk about they how, yeah, they're found, found in the woods, woods and yeah. it's like, well, okay, found in the woods, not near the castle, and then you might start thinking, well, did they, did this, did the wolf creature drag and them And that's kind of what I was thinking, and, yeah. and, and so I just, I just thought, I don't know, I just, I just, I thought, it could be a little confusing, but, I mean, I actually had to kind of rewind back over that scene to make sure I'd heard what she said to put it to the next scene, kind of connected to the next scene and realize that, okay, I see what they're talking about now. It's a totally different couple that has well, been killed, not like the gypsy it. couple. Yeah, okay. I like it because okay. it immediately sets up that the, the, the local folk are going to arrange a wolf hunt because this mm-hmm. kind of thing has happened in the past mm-hmm. and so everybody gets together and they go out and they find these these mm-hmm. man-killing right. wolves and they put mm-hmm. them down. But at the same time, it is, uh, it's Valdemar who's overhearing this and immediately thinks that this might be what he fears it could be. Mm-hmm. Which makes you think, why did you send these gypsies to the wolf to the Wolfstein Castle in the first <laughs> yeah. place? But he he ventures out on his own yeah. to the castle, goes in and finds the two dead right. gypsies right. next to the now open and empty coffin, and realizes what has happened. He also yeah. finds laying there next to the gypsy female, who's still hot even though she's dead, <laughs> uh, the the 
the crucifix right, slash right. dagger, the silver yeah. crucifix dagger, and takes it with him. Right. And it becomes very clear from uh, the expressions on his face and his attitude that he thinks he's going to have to do what his gra- what his grandfather did and have to, in some way, be a part of putting this thing down. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't bring it up. Bec- right. He doesn't bring it up. He doesn't mention it to anyone. So, um, soon after we we're, we're introduced to the various townspeople with their rifles getting together that night mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. go out after the wolf mm-hmm. or wolves or whatever they think is killing these people. I want to, can I, 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 I'm just going to say, well, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that you were going to mention that there's, I think it's right before they go, they're ready to do their night hunt that we have one more interlude with, uh, Dedinsky and Janice, uh, where they're actually just the two of them really without Rudolph around where they, they, and, and it becomes apparent and because now she's talking about how he feels that he should join the hunt and he actually makes a mention of that the villagers don't like him and he knows they don't like him and you almost get the sense that not only does he feel obligated to join this because he may know what's really going on or because it's part of his you know uh, because well, of his family but, line. but yeah. also but also that but also that he, yeah. he wants to maybe in a sense he's trying to make some amends in a sense to village or sort of show that he's you know sort of do something to even though he knows yeah. they don't like and, him and at the same time i mm-hmm. there's a there's a part of me that that thinks yes and i'm telling you this because i yeah. want to appear to oh, be exactly. more exactly more desirable oh by the way than, we should you know. point out right here too for those not familiar with the films is that uh no woman can resist <laughs> paul nashie's charms yes yes and yes. so poor rudolph doesn't oh, have God. a chance the minute no. uh, the minute uh nashie aka, aka uh Daninsky stepped into this uh and stepped into his life and he janice was gone so you know just as a just as a general note uh, uh well here, here's the thing if uh if nashie wrote the script yes Trust me, Nashi gets the woman. Yeah, yeah, smart uh, man. And, and you know, if there are multiple women in the film, he may get he them gets all. several of them. Yeah, yeah. so so um, we go from that to uh, the wolf hunt, mm-hmm. uh, where during the wolf hunt, uh, Daninsky and uh, Val- Valdemar and Rudolph uh, are paired up mm-hmm. uh, quite quite by chance, honestly, and end up uh, out in the woods uh, hunting for the wolf that evening, and. As you might expect, this being a monster movie and uh, we focusing on these two particular characters, they do get attacked by mm-hmm. the Wolfman, the resurrected Wolfman. Uh, at this point, Valdemar definitely demonstrates that he is the hero of the picture mm-hmm. because he goes out of his way to save Rudolph's life as he's being attacked, sa- saves him from being bitten or mauled or even harmed by the, the, the werewolf. Uh, gets bitten himself and then manages to bury the uh, the dagger cross cross mm-hmm. dagger <laughs> into the werewolf's right. chest again right and uh, put him down mm-hmm. um, this is the this is the real heroic moment this is the moment when there can be no doubt okay this mm-hmm. is definitely our hero this is our heroic character and Rudolph's attitude toward him completely changes because it's very clear he has saved his life did you? Since this to this point in the film, mm-hmm. he's been a bit of a jerk. Right. Do you think that? Uh, do you think this was the best way to really to get across um, our hero? Why make him an ass at the beginning of the film and then and then have him have him become the hero? Um, I have a theory. Okay. <laughs> and, the, and, the okay. Theory, and I'll admit the theory comes straight from the fact that uh, I watched this film the other night. With my girlfriend, and mm-hmm. she commented that of course the girl is gonna fall in love with Valdemar. He's a bad boy. 
<laughs> right. Which, you know, kind of yeah. makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the jerky bad boy is automatically somebody sure. who's attractive to a large swath of the female mm-hmm. population. Mm-hmm. And but, plus, since they also kind of established that her character is, is something of a of a free spirit, I mean, I don't I get the impression from the first of trying to tell her that she's not quite as dead set on this ultimate pairing with, with Rudolph as perhaps Rudolph and, and his fathers are. You know, she may not be totally, agree, but she's yeah. not totally resistant to it, but I get the impression that she's not you know, just completely 100% there yet. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think uh-huh. you're right. And that's that's something that actually is, it's interesting how it's kind of communicated subtlety in a film that's really not big on right. subtlety. Right, sure. Yeah. But it, it does mm-hmm. manage to get that idea across. Well, now here's the thing. Um, Rudolph now is in a really horrible situation, in yes, my opinion. Uh-huh. Um, his, um, his, his situation is that this man who he didn't really think too much of in the first place has just mm-hmm. saved his life, and he really feels completely indebted to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he now also knows he's cursed. He's well aware right from the outset the two of them are, are cursed. And I like that you bring that up because I thought that was so interesting yeah. and nice that we didn't have to deal with endless dialogue about I mean, getting through that whole thing of, oh, there's no such thing oh, yeah, as werewolves, yeah. so I don't believe it's ridiculous. I love the fact that the minute yeah, Nashie no gets bit, yeah. they know exactly what's going exactly to go. what's going to happen. You're, yeah. you're screwed, buddy. You know, you're, you're, you know, we know what this means, and, and this is now we're going to deal with this situation because you bet you're going to turn into a werewolf. And that was very actually kind of refreshing. You know, it, it's nice to to immediate, <laughs> to immediately have two characters: the yeah. one who's cursed and the mm-hmm. and, and one who isn't, and who now mm-hmm. considers him a friend. Right. Immediately go, oh crap! Here's mm-hmm. what we're dealing with. Yeah. And just yeah. get to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. That that's that's really good. Um, but Rudolph is in a horrible situation here. I mean, think yeah. about it. Now we es- essentially once this once the curse thing happens, Daninsky's uh, Daninsky's like, okay, we got to find a de- we got to find a way to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Rudolph is, you know, I'm I'll be by your side. I'll do anything I can to help you. What do we have to do? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the the burgeoning romance between uh, Valdemar mm-hmm. and Janice. Mm-hmm comes to the fore very strongly and Rudolph has got to stand there mm-hmm. and be this guy's friend and really feel indebted to him for saving his life and at the same time feel like the the guy who just got kicked in the balls. Oh, I mean, she gives she gives him down the road for the fact that you know she you know, the fact that he won't tell her, you know, why what's happened with Janinsky yeah. where Janinsky is just because he didn't want to say like, "Hey, he's a, he's a werewolf," uh, yeah, but, but she basically just chews him out, and calls him, you know, uh, yeah, brings him. his manhood into question and everything, and then the see, poor yeah, guy's well, got to sit there and take I, it. I really feel bad for the guy, but yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. I would also like to say at this point that uh, the the film at this point you start to feel some of the uh, censorship in the film where it got hacked apart a little bit mm-hmm. and also some of the probable editing that just came from this being an international print of the film where it starts to feel like the, the story starts to move in jerking steps forward yeah. Yeah. there are some leaps mm-hmm. not necessarily mm-hmm. of logic but there's some leaps where ah, I'm betting there were more sequences here that got us from, yeah. from point B to point too. E I'm, I'm sure there were some points in between these two scenes yeah. instead of this giant leap that we're asked to make and I don't know how much it was actually filmed but I get the impression from Nashi himself talking about it is that you know that there was definitely more eroticism gore in his original script at least you know yeah. I, now I've not heard too much of, of in the way of there being uh, further prints of this or prints with more so I don't I'm really know even, how much I'm actually not even got talking filmed. about uh, eroticism or gore I'm talking about story points oh sure where, yeah where right. we yeah. jump There's, there are um, some definite right right gaps there were. and and I'm also not sure if in some, some of the editing um, some of the some of the humor in the film 
I can't be sure if it's intentional or unintentional. And I'll yes. give you my, my favorite example is uh, right around this section of the film. It may um, be what I was going to point out too. The, Go ahead. Well, the, the, these two these two characters, and I can't remember what kind of characters they are, are talking, and um, this odd edit slaps um, two two scenes together where you have, and I think this one might might be intentional, where you have a character saying, uh, "I feel the devil himself is about tonight." And then snap the, the the there's this jump this cut straight to Nashi straight to mm. Valdemar yeah. and you're just, you know and you're just yeah. like well yeah there he is <laughs> there's, there's your cursed werewolf I mean, it, but I, I can't be sure that that no. was intentional or not I mean it it is a nice laugh and it's not a laugh at the expense of the film it's it's not sure, it's yeah. not one yeah. that, that that takes you out of the film no. at least it doesn't take me out of the film I think right. it, it, to me it's kind of a smart a smart little little mm. humor nod. Mm-hmm. But um, there are other things in the film. Um, well, I'll, I'll, maybe I, maybe I should wait. But there there is a cat scare in the film. Mm. I don't know if you remember the cat scare because yeah, you might want to forget it. No, no, the throne cat. You know yes, that's never good. Throne, the throne, yes, out of yes. out of a most um, completely ridiculous spot that makes no. <laughs> right. Well, what, what it is is um, uh, we 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 should skip along to the point where we're talking about how um, they decide to Rudolph and, and Valdemar decide to chain Valdemar up. During the nights of the full moon. Yeah, but now before anything, okay. because I want to get back, we'll we'll get back to this, uh, you know, later. But we should also point out that Nashi slash Daninsky, the uh, first solution to all this is shoot me with a silver bullet. He's yes. not talking cure. Rudolph is the one that's talking. No, I'm a. No, dead we've got to find a way to cure you. Yeah. Yes, but that's that's very important because he he actually You're has right, a gun with loaded with yeah. silver bullets that Daninsky gives him and says shoot me. And it literally, and he won't, he won't, he won't do it. Uh, he can't bring himself to do it. Right. And so he chains but there, but, it. But he but does. Did, he chains. He chains him up. Right. As the werewolf, and 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 when it comes, when he starts to turn into the Wolfman, uh, which is our first time we actually see, you know, Daninsky become a Wolfman. Well, let, let, let's talk, let's talk about the, him chaining him up down there. Right. Let's do it. Because okay. this is they they decide to use uh, Castle Wolfstein, and uh, the the kind of the the dungeons or bowels of it, yeah. which. And this, these sequences were filmed in a, in a, in a real castle there right. in Spain. And by the way, folks, we are set. by oh. the way, folks, we are going to be going all the way through this film to the end. And so we should probably say, if you haven't seen this film, we and don't want to know the end. You might want to come back to this after you've seen it because we are going to be we're going to be spoiling. This the is going to be spoilers right here. Film. So if you don't like spoilers, we just thought we should throw that warning in. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I know no, that's all right. I mean, you're right. We probably should have mentioned this earlier in the film, mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the discussion of the film. But uh, yeah, we're going to be spoiling the living crap out of it yeah. but nevertheless uh they they decide to use the dungeons of the castle uh to to chain him up uh, uh basically a kind of a, a large cell place and then also they're able to chain him to the wall if they need to and during the three nights of the full moon mm-hmm. so that they've got they've got some kind of uh assurance that he won't be out killing folks until they can try to find some kind of cure this is a great set this adds yes. so much oh, atmosphere yes, to this it movie does. it is beautiful and i should also point out that one of the neater things about the film is the way they light these sets was, well, they're, they're not sets i mean it's right, a real place right. but the way they, they the, the way they light this place is absolutely beautiful it is there's um it, it's definitely fantasy land let's yeah. let's be right up front this is movie monster fantasy land mm-hmm. there are reds reds and blues mm-hmm. uh the fog most of the time looks bluish they're shooting yeah. a blue light through mm-hmm. it uh mm-hmm. through fog and mist mm-hmm. uh the chains and cobwebs mm-hmm. uh this great old place it's 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 absolutely beautiful it is a nice nice place to to set oh, this yes 
It's not a film that's going for atmosphere, not realism. You know? So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't try and explain why there's the green glow light in the corner there. It's just, it just it adds matter, to, it's yeah. just a great color scheme there. It's just, it's just very nice. Um, definitely not done with the skill, <laughs> with the skill of other filmmakers. No, no, no. It's still really nice. It's yes. really, really well done. Well, uh, we do have the cat scare scene where uh, essentially, finally, they bring Janice into the picture. There's no way around it. She follows Rudolph out to mm. the castle, demands to know what's going on, and uh, at this and, and at the same time that it becomes very obvious to Rudolph that somehow or another, in one of those nice leaps that mm. happen in a Paul Nashi film, the woman is very obviously deeply, horribly in love with Valdemar, <laughs> and Rudolph's kind of on the sideline and just trying to be the nice yeah. guy, friend, you know, friend of both of them, and trying to do, trying to help. Mm. So. Um, she decides that, that the, they all think that uh, well, there's a lot of old books in the in the mm-hmm. library of this place, mm-hmm. and this place was shut down originally because mm-hmm. uh, years ago because uh, people were pa- practicing black magic. The, the, a lot mm-hmm. of these books, there might be something in these books that can help us try to find a way to cure mm-hmm. the this curse. And so they all start looking through it, and this is when we have the cat scare. Now, <clears throat> one of the beauties of being able to watch these things on DVD now is the ability to <clears throat> slow the film down. Yes frame by frame and uh there are a lot of neat little mm-hmm. budgetary well they're, they're not low budget scripts there's a lot a lot of neat little screw-ups in the film that i think are fun and one i'll talk about later but this mm-hmm. this one this one's probably my favorite because if you slow down the cat scare scene mm-hmm. uh you can actually see the person's hands on the far left oh really i did not know that i didn't as do they, that I didn't yeah, yeah as, oh, they the, as they fling the cat at her <laughs> that's great uh absolutely hysterical uh i i'm a i i i do not know what, where I stand uh, in general on the cat scare in the in the horror film mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes they they irritate the hell of me because they just destroy yeah uh, the, yeah. The, the the atmosphere and the the, the feeling mm-hmm. that a film has built up it takes me right out of it and sometimes the film is just so much a fantasy yeah. piece and so much a, a heightened sense there's so much right. a heightened sense of realism in the first sure, place sure sure uh, heightened sense it's of like why not have a cat just sitting yeah. inside a cabinet you know <laughs> a closed, cabinet, front, a closed cabinet dusty, door yeah. obviously doing just fine even though he must have been there for years centuries you know you open up and he goes flying flying out maybe it's a supernatural cat who knows oh, but, and, I lo- and I love the not to dwell too long on this shot because it's, it's like a few seconds on the screen but the camera at that point is underneath mm-hmm. the actress mm-hmm. shooting up mm-hmm. and it's just the most obvious well something's about to happen here shot right yeah. before the cat <laughs> flies out of nowhere but nevertheless um, okay, well, well, I have to mention the scene then okay. because I got to see this. The, the laugh out loud scene I was referring earlier, where I just and again, it's I, I don't believe it was an intentional humor. It might have been, but I want to see if it struck you the same way. But when Janice, as you mentioned, she follows Rudolph and and Daninsky to this. You know, she's been spying yeah. on them and find out where they're going, where he's got Daninsky holed up. So she's going alone, exploring in this place, trying to find them down into this this dungeon. She comes around a corner, and as she comes up the steps, there's the casket there that just goes. Flying forward, and I guess it was one of the um, one of the oh, yeah, 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 one yeah. of the nods to the 3D. I guess it was supposed to be a 3D jump moment, which it could be. The only problem is it falls and standing behind it is is here is just gentle, unassuming Rudolph, just standing there, who's yeah. been standing behind this casket <laughs> for no reason, and just comes out and they just start talking, and here he is in his nice little sweater, and he's just you know, and and you know, you at least thought he would come out and say, "I knew you were going to follow us" or something. It doesn't even acknowledge it. He's just for some reason standing behind this casket, and, and if it, you know, if it had been is, played, <laughs> if it had been played as if 
the, the Valdemar and Rudolph <laughs> knew this, and what they what they might try to do is just try to yeah. scare her off. But right. that's not even the way the scene plays. Right. You, you're right. Yeah. yeah I just and I just I just I just actually absolutely died laughing. I just thought it was <sighs> hilarious. I had to run it back a few times. Just, it just <laughs> cracks me up because. Uh, but anyway, it's, yeah, I agree. So, I agree. Yeah. I'd actually forgotten about that one. But at any rate, the um, another thing that I'd like to I'd like to, to bring up at this point is we we we've seen um we've seen a couple of, of, of werewolf transfer. Well, we've seen the we now see the werewolf transformation. Mm-hmm. We see Valdemar chained to the wall and um, transform. Now, uh, uh, in general, I like the transformation. Uh, First of all, Nashi sells the transformation sequences. Very much, very I well. very, very much like the transformation sequences because he portrays them as is as is generally done as being a very painful event. Mm-hmm. Uh, the this does not look like a pleasant experience. This looks like a torturous, horrible thing to go through. And uh, I, but I, I must say, I do not like the effect used for the camera. Yeah, the little blur. It's not like even a blur. It, 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 it looks it, it looks to me as if what all they really did was get a big pane of slightly uh, distorted glass right. or plastic right. and place it in front of the camera and then have two hands off to the side where you know where you can't see them <laughs> tilting it back and forth <laughs> yeah. in a weird way and then have you know the red you know red mm. and uh, blue lighting yeah. fading in and out and that is that is as cheesy as all get out and I really don't like yeah. I, I don't mind the lighting because it just adds to the kind you know, that, that, that you're seeing right, something right. horrific it, but... but it's that bizarre pain of I agree with you on that. I, I, the, I didn't care for the, that either. The lens that really yeah. seemed pointless and and out and 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 unnecessary, but um, I do love the transformation. I do love how he goes through it. It's it's uh, it's impressive. It's the kind mm-hmm. of thing that I like. It's the kind, the kind of thing I like to see because it's an actor really selling, mm-hmm. um, really selling the 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 emotion of it as well as kind of the torturous, painful, obviously painful nature of it. Well, at this point in the film, um. We're about 50 minutes into the movie. We're mm-hmm. not even an hour in. We're, we're, we've been in this film a long time, and this is when we get introduced to uh, what I would refer to as a gigantic plot point of fantasy number two, <laughs> which is when they discover, in amongst all the books and papers, uh, the information about... Dr. Uh, sorry, I had him on this here. Uh, Mikolov. Mikolov, of Mikulov. course. Dr. Mikolov. Um, and uh, they contact Dr. Mikolov. This is the fellow who... Um, was involved with the uh, previous mm-hmm. werewolf or wolfman, and um, they decide to try to contact this man. Hopefully, he's still alive, uh, and see if he can, if, if mm-hmm. he ever did come up with a way to cure him, if they would come and help him. And lo and behold, he does. At the fifty-four minute mark in this movie mm-hmm. is when mm-hmm. Doctor Mikolov steps out of the mist with his female assistant. Mm-hmm. And as was perfectly put by my girlfriend when she was yeah. watching this film, but this is her first viewing of the film. Those two are vampires, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's just screaming. What gave obvious. it away? Yes, I know. I mean, it could be more obvious it, it if, could if they be wore the... a sign going "vampires" are hired. And and I gotta say, I I love the the way the appearance of them, the way that they appear in this film is terrific. I mean, they're just yes. you know, they, uh, Rudolph and Janice have gone to meet them at this train station, totally dark, deserted, foggy, of course, train station. And they're just there. I mean, they just turn around and suddenly there's you know there's no train. They're They're just literally standing there in the mist with their crate, their trunk of goods. Uh, And uh, and yeah, if it's if it's not already obvious just from their sight that they're vampires, the fact that it's immediately remarked on the fact that Doctor Mikolov has not aged 
you know that he that he's still a young man. Of course, he he he, he claims that he's uh, the, the 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 son, son yeah. of the original Doctor Mikolov, which yeah. is you know a, yeah, a if good, you believe a good that, dodge. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a good dodge if you if you believe that Averbridge is son. Mm-hmm. No, um, that that that's uh, the the great introduction. So you have Mikolov and Vanessa, the insanely hot yes. vampire assistant. Yes, another name I have to throw it. Aurora de Alba is just uh, uh, amazing. Yeah. Wow! Yes, uh, a photograph, a photographic uh, representation of this woman's highlights from the film would be well worth perusing. And you know, and it, it should be said right here too. There's never ever been a Paul Nashy film that didn't have just amazing women in it. But yes. occasionally we have to name them because there are certain ones that just <laughs> stand out. Yes, 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 yes that's and and Aurora de Alba is another. One. She is pretty Oof. amazing. Yes, yes, yes. But at any rate. Um, I did make notice at this point that throughout the film we have uh, scenes of Rudolph and Janice's parents, their fathers. Right. Uh, apparently neither of these have people a, have yeah, mothers. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, we occasionally have scenes between the two of them which seem to be imported from some other film. Because <laughs> yeah, these right, two guys right are there. like, they're playing pool, yeah, or they're uh-huh, discussing, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. they're discussing essentially just their children. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing it's the only thing yeah. these two guys have in common. Yeah. And uh, they they they're incredibly stilted. All yes. those scenes oh, yeah. are incredibly stilted, as they if uh, the 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 both the the elderly actors are, uh, or they're not elderly, but they, they these older actors they're the, the the scenes are very stilted and very strange. Yeah. Uh, and it's right about this time that the, we have the scene where they're getting worried about um, Janice what's going on. Right, right. The fact yeah we don't both know anything. Really there. Yeah, but uh, Janice's father searches her room. And finds sil- the silver bullets from uh, yeah. that that she's been, that she's apparently been handed off to. Yeah, I just I love it. It's like I, look what I found in her bed: silver bullets. And just, well, I know, I know. You're just like, I was like okay, wow. I mean, I, so she I doesn't have the gun, but she has the silver bullets, and she bullet. sleeps. Sleeps, sleeps she's sleeping with, with the silver bullets, okay. which, which makes me wonder. Is I mean, because there there are certain things you might think that would be, but anyway. But it um, makes it makes you also wonder: Did we is something else missing there from the script that was you know might have might have made that a little more makes more sense, but. Uh, but what it does serve to do is 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 get the fathers actually off their asses and, and moving into the story, actually yeah. moving into yeah, the yeah, story yeah. with the other characters. Because well, now yeah. we should we should bring up that uh, things things start to happen pretty 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 mm-hmm. interestingly here mm-hmm. uh, because uh, the 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 two vampires start to talk talking to Donitsky and Rudolph and and Janice about okay, well here's what we're gonna do. Uh, here's you know we'll this will take some time. We'll do this that and the other. We only work at night, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, neither no one seems to think that's pretty weird but uh, they work at night that's the way it's going to be but um my my I, I got really happy by the time that they had uh gone and resurrected the original wolfman right and we end up and i don't know you might want to you might want to i'm going to jump ahead to this because this is where the film really hey, cranks I mean, into gears when you have you end up with both werewolves, Two werewolves. chained to the walls yeah. in the dungeon and uh, the vampires kind of laying out what they're gonna do. Okay, now you tell me, what were they gonna do? Because that's just it. I had no idea. <laughs> no idea what these vampires. Want. No clue what these folks wanted. Okay, here's the deal, people. You know, it's is 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 as soon as Janice and, and Rudolph are off the premises, the the vampires immediately chain up Nash and start praying to Satan uh, to come yeah. possess him. And the only thing I can figure, again, it never makes this clear. They, they even draw a big. Pentacle, yeah. and of course, over over the uh, and of course, over and of course, in 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 you know, film and and comic book and book history, you know, the werewolf and vampire are always either deadly enemies or usually, or the vampire will have the werewolf under his sway, and this almost sort of combines the fact that Nashi or, or Daninsky is normally as a wolf man going to be their enemy, and they're praying to Satan to 
possess him. I do remember they say that. So the only thing I can figure is that they're wanting, and and I guess the only other, the only reason I can think of that they would resurrect the other werewolf <laughs> is that they're planning on Satan to possess them, and once he possesses them, then they lose their human aspect, and they will be then the vampires to control. It's either that, or it's just the fact that vampires just like to do naughty things, and they may just I, be. You know what I think it what is? What the hell? What's Here's it? my thought. <laughs> I think the vampires wanted to watch two werewolves square off against each other. I and think, who would? And who would? I'm there. If they were bored. Hey. It was time. Hey, we got two werewolves. This is the fight of the century. Let's and I, have them believe battle. me, as a little kid coming across this on TV, I was totally ringside seat. I was like, this is what I want to see too. You know. So. Well, now I should back up and say that before we get to the two werewolves fighting each other while the vampires look on, uh, Vanessa, the, the female vampire, seduces Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the scene where uh, we're supposed to have the uh, discovery that you can't see Vanessa in the mirror. Right. Uh, but, yeah, but it's not very... But, but it's not done well enough no, it's because not. as she clumsy. reaches as she reaches out her hands for Rudolph to come to it, mm-hmm. come to her, you can see uh, her hands reflected mm-hmm. in the mirror. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, and so that 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 doesn't quite work. It's 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 like the cat scare. I like it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but so we have um, Rudolph seduced by Vanessa, and we we have uh, Janice seduced slash bitten. Both of them get bitten by the the mm-hmm. other the gender. Mikulovs, yeah. yeah. So Mikulov gets gets her, and so when the werewolves square off against each other down in the dungeon, it's not just the vampires watching. It's the rather uh, kind of controlled, possessed, mm-hmm. or I guess hypnotized would be the best yeah, way. More hip- yeah, more yeah hypnotize uh janice and rudolph are standing there as well so we have the big werewolf fight as the vamps watch um uh and they 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 while they're watching i mean, i think this is a sport for them because they're snacking on the necks oh, oh they're thoroughly enjoying themselves yeah. i gotta say right now i could have watched a whole <laughs> series of films just on these two vampires because they're so perfectly cast so physically perfect for the roles and they're having such a great time in the role and Aurora de Alba is, you know, she's she's having a great time as this vampirist, you know, plays it up, but with, never goes into being cartoonish. True. With, but just their asides to each other, just their looks they give each other, you know, is just at times they're just, to me, just, just delightful to watch. That's... I mean, they're having such a, uh, they're just wonderfully, wonderfully evil and having a great yes. time being evil. And like I said, I could have I could have watched a whole series of films just on this couple because they just look great, perfectly cast. and, and well, they're, uh, glo- they're, they're know, gloriously just, evil. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really neat stuff. Yeah. Uh, in the... In the interview on the in the interview with Paul Nashi on this disc, he talks about the um, the fellow who plays uh, Mikulov. Ugarte. I don't know if it's Ju- Julian uh, Julian. You know, I can't. I can't remember. We're the Tennessee boys, name. folks. You know, yeah, we yeah. just have to guess at these names. But I think Ugarte is his last name. I can't. I can't remember that. That may be his name. I can't remember. But he talks about how he was a, a stage actor and he didn't do very many films. Right. Uh, but he really has a presence. He's very oh, yeah. good in the role. He's, okay. he's nice. He's nice and creepy. Although I do have a bone to pick with his performance that we'll get to in just a moment. Okay. Um, the. Uh, at this point, when we have the werewolf fight, uh, it becomes evident that uh, you can kill, apparently, kill a werewolf if you're a werewolf. Just by apparently biting him on the so. neck a couple of times or throwing I, him off or, the steps a few times. Yeah. It, yeah, so we have uh, Nashi's wolf man uh, put the beat down mm-hmm. uh, after a protracted fight and beat down on uh, the Her- original Her- werewolf, the one, that, the one that cursed him. Right. Uh, and uh, apparently kill him. Mm-hmm. And then escape and come after the vampires. The vamps at this point have have trundled off. I'm I'm not sure why. Uh, and then we get to uh, essentially the the wrap up of the story. Well, I was gonna say you remember the the, <coughs> the um, 
Mikolov actually, uh, after Nashi kills the other werewolf, he runs to the. Of course, he's still separated by the bars. They're on the yes, other side of the still, bars. They're behind the bars. And and Mikolov even kind of gives him a little teasing, like, "Yeah, I'm gonna bite your woman," kind of thing. I mean, yeah. he's like he's yeah. totally living because he kind of raises his cape and and sort of hisses it at Nashi before he whisks her away. Sort of a little bit of a dig at him, you know. He's he's he's, he's totally totally tormenting him with the fact that he's gonna that uh, that he's 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 gonna uh, uh, drink Janice's blood. You know? Now the. Uh... The vampires and their uh, hypnotized uh, consorts trundle off, and um, this is where I have a, a, a concern. It's 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 the one thing in the film that, uh, as many things as I think are kind of idiosyncratic or very strange, mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me. That's this is the only thing I would change, mm-hmm. and that is what I would describe as the the vampires' dance of the seven capes, which is the bizarre. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the bizarre. His his run away from where the the werewolf battle was outside the castle with Janice, where it's as if he's doing this bizarre dance with his cape. He'll he'll walk a while and run a while and then do this bizarre fan dance with the freaking cape, and it is I, I can only describe it as ludicrous. Uh, it's it, interesting. It takes that you say me that. right out of it every time. I think it's silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's absolutely no way that I can find to frame it in a way mm-hmm. that is anything other than. Uh, a, 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 an error in judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I now I know from the interview with Nashi what what the idea was. Well, uh, I didn't mm-hmm. work for me. See, and I disagree. I loved it. I, really? I loved it. Yes, yes, I oh, did. Wow. Okay. I loved our, it. Our first, our I will agree with you that I will agree with you that it 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 is totally out of left field. And I agree yeah. with that. I agree with that it's totally out of left field. And and, and Nashi says he was very un- he said he was uncomfortable with it. I, so is obviously um, which I don't think we've even said the director's name. I don't believe if we can, oh, yeah. Enrique. Aguilas, uh, we're hope, guessing that's his name. But anyway, that I believe it was obviously his idea because Nashi says in the interview on the disc, he says, "I was not, you know." Enrique Lopez. Ooh, wow, Aguilas. his last name I know, Aguilas. Maybe I apologize. Yeah. Yes, for yes, please, yes, yes. We're we're probably doing oh. a terrible job on this, but you know, so this was not this was not an obviously not in Nashi's script. Yeah. Um, the reasons I love it is is and and again I'll agree with you that you know it's not totally you know it, it is out of left field I, to me it's almost like he's doing this bizarre courting dance of this this woman who he, who really you he doesn't seem like he would need to because he has her under his hypnosis yeah. I want to point out and again because he doesn't actually refer to it it doesn't it's not doesn't totally explain it but if I remember right I believe it comes right after um, Nashi has staked Vanessa. Because remember now, Nashi, he stakes. He's. I think you're right. Yes. Where what happens is, uh, you know, uh, uh, Daninsky. <laughs> this yeah. goes through. It, he, it he basically does, becomes. He does. It, he the first, before before, uh, mm-hmm. before we get to the dance of the seven capes or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yes, uh, <clears throat> the the first encounter between uh, Nashi as the Wolfman does escape mm-hmm. from the the cage, and his first encounter is with Vanessa, who is. Uh, uh, I think it's a, it's a great scene. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he manages to, um, I call it vamp stake in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 she's in a coffin. She's in mm-hmm. her coffin. Yeah. By the way, we should mention that it's now reached one of those uh, Germ- Germanic days that only last five minutes. You know? yeah, there is that <laughs> because uh, this all happens. He's in the daytime, so he's back to being human again. But boy, that night comes real quick after <laughs> this. But uh, oh well. At any rate, he yeah. he he manages to stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanessa in, in her, her her coffin, and it's really well done because uh, the smoke or the fog or the mist or what you want to call it that, that wells mm-hmm. up in her in the coffin as she reclines mm-hmm. back after she's been staked mm-hmm. comes up over her mm-hmm. body, and it really, really, really looks good. Yeah. Uh, that's that was a really nice, mm-hmm. very uh, 
practical effect that didn't yeah. take didn't, right. didn't take a lot of work. But wow, it's effective. Mm-hmm. I, I liked I liked it a lot. And interesting, um, there's no use of blood in the film either. Is that in that, in that scene true. that you know that yeah. she doesn't bleed from that? You know, as you would normally expect to see that, especially in the post Hammer era, and especially what we used to seeing what we would see in Nashi films is is actually a totally bloodless scene too. Very true, and it, like I say, I think that's very effective. It's a very effective scene. But then you then then, we're, then we have where we have the dance of the seven capes and uh, the encounter, the the final throwdown uh, between the Wolfman and the male vampire. Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, did you, did you... I was just going to say a little more about this. Oh, just that, again, I'm not going to try and convince you because I don't think there's any. <laughs> I think this is one of those things you're going to be it's, on it's, opposite it's, sides. Are it, it really is the the one thing in the film the, the, because the, the... I love the way the whole thing starts. You know, basically the two <clears throat> Rudolph and Janice's fathers are there now. We should say they're there on the yes. scene now. Yes, it's nighttime again. Uh, they're trying to catch. They've already okay. You know, Vanessa's they've, been they've, dispatched. They loaded with, up a gun with the silver bullets. Right. And they're trying to obviously get Janice away from the vampire and they they find them and they, they try they're basically cornered the vampire and, and, and uh, you know, Mikolov and Janice and I love the way he just sweeps his cape over her and then suddenly and swist they actually sweeps her away to a totally different part of the yes. dungeon. And I yes. thought that was wonderful. That nice. I've never seen that before. Now I do like that. Okay, I do okay. like that. So you're there with me so far on that. Yeah, I like that. And again, what I love about this bizarre courting, and again, I only think of it as a courting almost a courting dance because it comes right on the heels of the the death of his other companion and again like i said it's weakened by the fact that he doesn't actually give any indication that he knows that that's happened i mean again we're jumping real quick now because yeah we're in the w- w- once again and, i think the the, the film is, is suffering mm-hmm. from some really uh unflattering edits some mm-hmm. jumps in right. the narrative that i don't think mm-hmm. were were mm-hmm. meant right but here's 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 what i love about it and again this is one of those things and we've talked about this before and again it's it's not always going to work for us in every film but one of the reasons that we love Spanish cinema and European cinema is we've talked about it before is, is they give you a lot of things that are traditional, you know, that, that are obviously homages to, you know, the, the old universal style. films, the hammer films and such. But so often then they'll throw something in the film that is totally unique. That is like nothing you would see in a British or American film. And it's yes. totally out of left field like that. And then again, sometimes it's just going to depend on how it hits you. Sometimes it's going to hit you as being ridiculous. In this case, to me, there was something, otherworldly and, and and dealing with supernatural characters there was just something supernatural and otherworldly about this vampire doing this that i just i totally went with it you know and that's just you know so. well i i know what you're talking about and it's one of the reasons why i love uh european european mm-hmm. uh, horror cinema european uh genre cinema in general especially from this period right. i agree with you that is one of the great things about it but i uh, sometimes it works sometimes it exactly. doesn't exactly this this mm-hmm. particular element did not work for me mm-hmm. because it um it just felt really <laughs> out of place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, not only that there was nothing that led to it, but that it mm-hmm. also seemed uh, it also seemed nonsensical. Mm-hmm. So, okay. uh, if this were some, if this were his way of uh, affecting mm-hmm. control over mm-hmm. Janice. I might be willing to give it a little bit more, mm. but as you said, I they mean, don't that's not the case. They don't, yeah, that's they not the don't case actually, at all. Yeah. So, um, like I say, it is the one element of the film, mm. the one thing that I really feel pushed me out of it. Right. Um, um, even more so than the possibly unintentional bits of humor mm. here and there, mm. um, which work a lot better for me than this. But at any mm. rate, um, at this point, we, we, we get to the, the final throwdown between... Uh, the werewolf or the wolfman, uh, Daninsky as the wolfman, and our male vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the kind of battle you wait a whole film for. Mm-hmm. This is what you're looking forward to. This is the the big deal. Uh, you've already had the werewolf on werewolf violence. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotta love it. <laughs> oh yeah. So this is what uh, all monster fans are waiting for: werewolf versus vampire. This is the old uh, monster rally stuff writ large, and this is what we come here for. But I have to say, mm-hmm. and I know that some of this is because of the censorship censorship imposed on it uh, um, in Spain. But um, first of all, I think that the beginning of the battle is incredibly poorly framed. Yeah. Uh, not a good choice of framing by the director. It's um, the, the, the werewolf starts to interact, and he's off screen left, mm-hmm. and then jumps into the middle of the screen, and things progress, but it's like, wow, did we need some editing there? Yeah. We needed another shot. We mm-hmm. needed something put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be honest, uh, this this final battle between the werewolf and the vampire, I find a little underwhelming. Me too. I'm not impressed. We're in, we're in total, de- okay. total agreement on that. Uh, I was not happy with it uh this should be the kind of thing the dance was more riveting than the fight <laughs> i'll rent you that uh it's kind of lame yeah afraid um, so it's not it's not well directed it's a shame it's because well the werewolf shot. throwdown is very well done it's yes. terrific yeah and i'm wondering it, this was shot outside this yeah, fight true, was shot outside true. and i'm wondering if that's part of the problem mm. that they couldn't get as many camera setups if there was some kind of time limitation well i know that they talk about that because of those 70 million apparently the cameras they used were very heavy very clunky yeah. i think it's the reason why we don't get a whole lot of cutting in the film why so many scenes are done with tracking in and out uh, yeah. which which yeah. also was done for the the depth and the 3d purposes but i think uh, apparently the the camera they were using was very cumbersome uh, in filming this so. that that would that would uh... I, w- I would have to say that probably is a big reason why it's done that way, but at the same time, it's it's unfortunately done in this very long, this this almost static shot for most of the time. There's very mm. little cutting into mm. what we're supposed to be watching, right? <clears throat> and it just doesn't look very good. So it's kind of lame. Uh, what it boils down to is finally um, the Wolfman chomps on the neck of the vampire, and then we get a return of your old friend from the transformation scene. That same weird. Uh, yes. Yes bad effect that we Same talked about bad earlier. bad effect. And uh, we have barbecued vamp. Yeah. He goes up like a, like a, a gasoline-soaked cake, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, into vampire. Yeah. So, uh, that, that to be honest, that's really sad, I think, because the, the death of the female vampire was so effective. Right, right. Yeah. And the death of the male vamp, the real big bad, mm-hmm. kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, so um, it's at this point we have the, the the Wolfman standing there. The uh, the two the two fathers show up along with Rudolph with the with the gun. Vanessa, once the vampire is dead, snaps out of her her hypnotic state. And uh, as they're leveling the gun at uh, the enraged, slavering, blood encrusted Wolfman, Vanessa, knowing what she has to do, runs over, grabs the gun from her father. Takes it in, takes it in hand, and uh, pumps several bullets into mm-hmm. her beloved. Mm-hmm. Pumps several bullets into the marksman, too. and she, yeah, apparently she nails him with like four. Was it four bullets? Yeah. Four? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, puts him in the ground. Um, so I guess you could say that uh, love conquers all, or at least pumps several bullets into you if you're lucky. Yeah, when she's channeling Annie Oakley, she does. <laughs> I know. I mean, good God, I don't know. we don't really get a sense of how far she was standing away from him, but yeah, that, that woman had been on the range. She'd been firing a few handguns to make sure she knew what she was hitting. So that's uh, up the the let, let's let's take into account the the things we learn from this mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. as monster fans. We learned that a werewolf can kill a werewolf. Mm-hmm. We learned that uh, <laughs> we learned that uh, apparently nobody can figure out that you're a vampire, even though you yeah. give every indication that you are one. <laughs> um, 
We learned that a vampire, a female vampire's hands can be seen in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but overall, I mean, when it when it comes down to it, I really do like this film. Me too. Uh, Me too. This would have been the perfect film to have seen at the age you saw it. At. Oh this, yeah. This yeah. would have entranced me. This would have swept me up and made mm-hmm. me giddy with delight yeah, at, yeah. at the monster rally nature of it. The the uh, mm-hmm. the multiple monsters. Mm-hmm. The un- I mean, it were like I said, we're fifty four minutes into the film before the vampires show up. You have no indication they're gonna be vampires. Right. I mean, it's just thing. yeah, so, exactly. Uh, um, I, I I love I love the tone, the atmosphere. There are things to criticize about the film. It is far certainly. from perfect. Uh, I don't think it's a great film. I think it's a right. good film. Mm-hmm. I have a few questions about the film just to, to throw at you to kind of hopefully um, get you to think in a different way about the movie. I know we both like the film, but um, the, the the typical Nashy combination of uh, earnest romantic drama, one would say probably melodrama, mm-hmm. combined with uh, straight horror elements, including, um, not necessarily in this film, but in other films, including things like uh, blood and gore, right. nudity, no nudity in this film, of course. Right. Uh, they can be hard for modern audiences usually to handle. I mean, um, unless you're already a monster fan, this is not the kind of thing that's going to sell you on the genre. Uh, often it kind of distances a modern audience from the story and, and makes the films laughable to their, their sensibilities. Uh, do you think this film could overcome those hurdles with something like a, a midnight screening someplace where the, the film was kind of put in that creepy atmosphere of being a midnight movie and a, an older horror film, mm-hmm. maybe even shown in 3D? Do you think this is the kind of film that could overcome the the, the natural uh, pushback that a modern audience would have to it? Well, you know, it's it's this this film in particular is is uh, it's almost we should say you know when you talk about the gore and the nudity, actually this this film has much less of that than your normal uh, Nashy film. True, uh, and I think that this is almost more on the level of of. Um, certain hammer films where you know you don't get any nudity you get a lot of cleavage no nudity and then there's splashes of blood but nothing compared to what Nash's films would later become and so i think this film uh you know in particular is if, if people are going into uh, you know or like to see spanish horror films or european horror films because they're expecting heavier doses of gore and nudity this is actually one of his his milder films and also as far as Nash's films in general one of the troubles with them is they're sort of in this middle ground where there's you know, they're obviously, you know, there's too much of the grislier things to necessarily uh, show, say, like young kids that you might you might feel comfortable with showing old Universal films to. But at the same time, for a modern horror audiences, that so many of them are drawn to horror films because of the gore, it, it might not seem excessive enough. Um, the, reason, the reason I put the question to you in the mm-hmm. way that I did is that um, I think this is the kind of film that could appeal to a, a subsection mm-hmm. of modern horror fans but not to the vast majority right Uh, mainly because it is very much an old style almost gothic Mm -hmm. monster rally to a Mm -hmm. degree Mm -hmm. therefore much much more of a throwback to the 30s and 40s universal films Mm -hmm. than uh, i think modern audiences could deal with plus in a lot of ways his screenplays nashi's screenplays have a tendency to 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 be a little too close to self-parody sometimes Mm -hmm. where the, they're so melodramatic and there's so much um, heightened emotionality mm-hmm. that I think that they have a tendency to be laughable to modern audiences who just won't accept that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They just have they have a tendency to, to just not be able to deal with it and, and get right. themselves caught up in the feeling. Well, I mean, people, you know, and, and it's like we talked about how none of the women can resist Nashi's charms. They literally fall in love with him in like ten, ten, you know, two minutes, you know, for almost nine. Right. I mean, they go right. immediately from being like just meeting him to 
totally head over heels and you know everything is very earnest and very uh uh like you said you know i think melodramatic is certainly yeah. a, a word that applies well another question um how would you rate the direction of the film you know it's 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 it's, it's frustrating because so much of it i think is 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 good um you know and i don't know if if how much of it's to do with the director and how much it's to do with the art direction or even Nashi's own input I, I, I do believe I, I think it's just a beautiful film to look at you know I just find the, the film between the use of color and the sets mm. um, and the way that and again I just keep going back to the way every scene is staged and set and the way that things even though they were set for the 3D I think even without the 3D I think it's just fascinating film to watch just because there's so much detail I mean you're right that they just found the perfect place to film it the perfect oh, yeah, the, the setting the, is just filming it amazing inside, filming it inside that castle was um, absolutely wonderful I would have you know I would have liked to have seen him do you maybe do something else with the do more with the director i don't think it's i don't think it's brilliantly directed i wouldn't necessarily uh, you know we'll be seeing that nashi some of his best work came with uh some other directors like carlos arad and uh yeah. leon klamovsky and i don't even know if i like it as much as i to direction as much as i do I do that but i think that the i, I think the performances are, are are a lot of them are pretty strong you know some are, are pretty you know the uh, it's, it's again well, it's, it's yeah. varied um, I think Nash is terrific in it, actually, and, and that's and, and something I we, we should point out. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. I and think say we should question. point out that uh, originally, uh, this is a script that uh, he wrote on spec. He wrote himself and shopped it around, and uh, he was not originally going to be playing mm -hmm. uh, Donensky at all. Mm -hmm. The uh, they they had, there was a, a hint of trying to get uh, Lon Chaney uh, Jr. to play it, but by this time he was in his sixties and throat cancer had taken a good mm -hmm. bit out of him in the first place, so that was really a no go. And they were really late in the process before, um, and this is how Nashi tells it, <clears throat> before the producer suggested that he play the role. Right. And, of course, he jumped at it and everything past that is history. <clears throat> Still, per perfectly done. I mean, he's he, he was a weightlifter. He definitely had the body type, and he's mm -hmm. definitely got the right look. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not, the, he's not the, the, the handsome man that most of his scripts make him out to be, right. but he's far from an unattractive man. This is uh, this is a, this is a great role for him, and it's it's certainly the iconic his yeah. his iconic <laughs> role. Um, and I think his persona works the best for this type of character because it didn't necessarily always yeah. serve him in some of his other roles. Because Nashi tends to be very under very understated, uh, and some people find it bland. You know, some people would have described True. his, but I think what he brings to the Daninsky character is the same thing that Lon Chaney Jr., who who also wasn't just a terrific actor overall you know but was capable of great things but but cheney jr had a great way of conveying vulnerability and melancholy and i do think that nashi has carries a lot of that same weight in his the way he plays daninsky and i think it's a great the fact that he does play the role of daninsky as 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 very soft-spoken it, uh, it actually makes a great contrast to because yeah. when he plays the wolfman he's great I mean, he's, he he's totally vicious, gets into the animalistic yeah nature of the wolfman well the uh the thing that i've always noticed in almost every film that paul nashi is in whether he wrote the script or mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. is his performances can be in the exact in the same film his performance can be both brilliant and mm -hmm. then in other spots in the film just flat as hell yeah right and uh i, I think a lot of the time this can be attributed to a director he was working with mm -hmm. I, I don't ever feel like the man is, is just taking a payday or, right. or being lazy, but there are moments even in this film where I look at it and I go, wow, they probably should have gone for another take on yeah. that to let him give it let him give that another mm. shot. Right. Uh, I think his performance is good. I think he would do better work later on, and I think there are some films mm. where he turns in absolutely stunning mm -hmm. performances. Right. 
there's a lot of the time he's fantastic in this film, and there are some times when I'm just not buying it, and I'm thinking, yeah. wow, I'm wondering, if he, I'm wondering if he thought this yeah. was going to be used in another way. This mm-hmm. scene was going to be used in another fashion. Uh, but, to you know, to 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 get back, I probably never totally answered the question as as well as I should have, but I think ultimately I don't consider the direction something one of the great pluses of the film, you know, I think it's, I, I think that there's some things that are well directed. I think, uh, I think there's also some things like we've talked about that are kind of clumsy. Um, I think it's a pretty well directed film. Like I said, I wouldn't mind seeing him do some other work with this director, but when I think of all the pluses, they're not necessarily things that come back to like, Oh wow, that was great direction. You know, it's, it's more like, you know, things that are to do with, uh, performances and, 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 and things that are compelling about the story. And, and, and the, the reason I asked the question is, uh, um, he, I, he didn't work with this director again, right. and the director's career uh, kind of flatlined a few a few right. years after this. Right. Um, he's not talk in interviews. I've never seen him talk poorly about this director, but at the same time, I'm not sure if it's uh, if, if we're talking about a director who wasn't um, suited for the role of director or not. But at the same time, he may have been. But at the same time, we were talking about the stories about those cameras being big and clunky, right? Uh, having to deal with the fact that we're shooting in 70, 70 millimeter and mm-hmm. trying for three D effects, and mm-hmm. so all the all the mm-hmm. requirements that that would put on you, right? Um, it would have been interesting to see him work with him again. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's interesting this director did go on and, and make a, a Santo film. Yes, yes, that's, uh, that's, that is very interesting. What, two two or three years later, um, but the idea that. Uh, he did his best work. That Nashy did his best work with other directors later on is true. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Carlos Alrad, especially, I think right. he, I think he did fantastic work with Klimovsky. Mm-hmm. I think he's fantastic. Uh, but nevertheless, um, one 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 last kind of offshoot question: mm-hmm. What do you think of the female characters in the film? Because uh, I think it's always very easy to talk about mm-hmm. uh, Nashi's characters. As uh, so often, often they are simply ciphers to move the story along because mm. he's much more interested in story than he is in character. But the um, the the female characters, he there only seem to be two types of female characters oh, course, in yeah, his sure, movies, sure, right. uh, and there's no in between. Mm-hmm. There's the love interest, mm-hmm. and there's the villainous. Right. And here you have, and that's probably a lot to do with the Spanish male background. Exactly. I mean, who knows? You know, exactly. that probably has a lot to do with with just the the uh, uh, that particular country where he comes from. You know, it's also uh, we should say that it's kind of following along that same lines. Is uh, one thing you notice about Nashi films is at least in the early years, and it may have changed. But they're, they're, the stories are never set in Spain. No. The reason for that is basically when they were, you know, and we should point out too is that there was no, you know, this film is credited with really kicking off a, a, a Spanish, Spanish horror, horror industry, the Spanish horror which industry, was yes. which was even more amazing that he got this film made. Uh, and of course, he did have to go and get it kind of made by a co-production between Spain and Germany, but uh, there was no uh, um, uh, Spanish horror industry until this film came along. But one thing that he had to do was he had to. Um, he had to set it somewhere else. He could not set it in Spain because they, you know, you could have wanton women and you could have <laughs> supernatural creatures. It was fine as long as it was understood that it was not happening, you know, in Spain. Well, also, so. I mean, uh, you have to have to point out too. Well, let's let's talk about the names. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, uh, Valdemar Daninsky had a different name, had a Spanish name, right? But he, but they wouldn't let the the censorship in Spain was such mm-hmm. that he was mm-hmm. not allowed to call the the monstrous character by a Spanish name, so mm-hmm. he came up with a Polish name, Valdemar Daninsky. And also, um, let's talk about the name Paul Nashi to begin with. Right. Uh, he had to come up with a stage name mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
Nashi's real name is is it Has- uh, I, I believe it's Jacinto Molina. Jacinto Molina. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paul Nashi was a stage name that he used both for his script writing, his direction, mm-hmm. and his acting. And um, th- this kind of thing was the the the, the Paul Nashi name was forced on him by the by the producers, and he had to come up with it kind of mm-hmm. on the fly, even after they'd shot the film. But uh, I love the idea that all of his horror films, although made in Spain, in general, almost all mm-hmm. of them made in Spain, uh, especially during the 60s and 70s, they couldn't be set in Spain. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you look at this, you're basically talking about a Spanish actor going under a German name playing a Polish character. With a film set in Germany. Uh, welcome, the, uh, yeah. to, welcome to European horror, you know, again, just one of the wonderful <laughs> things that make uh, studying it so much fun. Oh, and it gets much more complex in later films when he's playing a Frenchman in Canada. <laughs> I, nevertheless, it's, um, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the great joys of these types of films anyway. Um, but, well, what you're asking about the, the you know, the, the female characters, yeah, I, I, I'll say this, I think that two of the actresses get the most out of very underwritten, uh, again, kind of cardboard roles, which yeah. are basically uh, Rosanna Yanni that plays the the gypsy girl, and Aurora D'Alba that plays the vampires. Um, not just because they're stunning women, but I really think they both do great work at it. Uh, Rosanna Yanni does they, some they really terrific things as, you know, in just those little scenes between her. The interplay between her and her husband, the gypsy guy there, is really very well done. I mean, they really are very believable as this kind of wild... Did you get the sense that yeah. the scenes between the two gypsies were almost improv? I would not doubt like, it. I would it not doubt feel it. Like they, it felt very, very, very natural. It did. It did. I agree. Um, and I, I was, it was, I was very struck by, you know, um, again, so I think that those, because the actresses do more with the roles than was, when it was necessarily there, um, I, I didn't really get really deeply into the character of Janice, you know, as far as no, like, but no. I don't really, she's, I, she's rather, she's rather plain Jane. And I think that's pretty much because of the role itself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't think that's something that, um, I don't think you want, a, well, I, I can't say that, but I don't think Nashy probably wanted a whole lot there to mm-hmm. get in the way of what he considers the story. Right, sure. So, uh, yeah, she's, of, of, the, of the three actresses in the mm-hmm. film, you have to say she comes off as the blandest. Right. But it's, and it is the way the character's written. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. So. Okay, so what I would like to, one last thing I want to say about this film, and, and, and we both said, yeah, we do, we do really like this film. We do think it's a oh, good yeah. one. And uh, one of the things that stuck with me, and again, this is kind of one of the strengths of Nashi, and in this film you can definitely already begin to see, you know, what's one of his primary weaknesses is, you know, he's not a writer of sparkling dialogue, you know, no. so don't expect that. And that's where you get, like you said, some of the clunky exposition and that sort of thing. But one of the things that I think is one of the strongest aspects of Nashi is his sense of tragedy and uh, melancholy, the way that he infuses his, his stories with that. And it very much comes from a lot of his, his life. Uh, Rod and I have both read his, his autobiography, which is terrific, by the way. Really good read. But he really, uh, um, you know, just growing up, uh, he, he, he relates a lot of horrible things he witnessed and a lot of them. I mean, he had a, a, you know, had a, a lot of yeah, brutality he had, he growing had, he up. He had a rough and, upcoming. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the things I noticed about this story that really stuck with me, and the more I got into it, the more I found, I started realizing that as in the, some of the greatest tragedies, um, almost everything in the film happens as a result of someone's good intentions. If you go to, starting with Nashi directing the gypsy couple to spend the night out of the rain, seek shelter out of the rain yeah. inside the castle, which Very leads true. to them resurrecting the werewolf, then Nashi saving Rudolph from the werewolf, which gets himself gets him, bitten. Gets him bitten, yes. Then Rudolph's refusal to shoot Nashi with the silver bullet, which would have put an end to everything, but he can't do it because he feels indebted to them, which, of course, then leads to Nashi escaping and killing more people and leads to 
you know, Rudolph's intention to try and cure Nashi leads to them bringing in the vampires. You know, you think about it, the vampires yeah. would have never even appeared without, you know, and so the more I got into this, the more fascinated I became by how, how much, um, you know, Nashi's even wanting to go on the hunt, or, you know, Daninsky's characters wanting to go on the hunt with the villagers was because he was trying to, you know, yeah, he may be trying to impress Janice, but I think he was also trying well, think, to, in a I, sense, think, bond a little yeah. bit with the villagers because he knew what they thought of him. I would so say again, that you're absolutely right. This is what gives. And this uh, is really. There's only there's only the one moment, mm-hmm. the one mm-hmm. the one action, the one action in the film that does not fit that. Right. And that is the uh, greedy drunken gypsies pulling the jagger because the, that was greed. That's uh, true. That's and true. I, I said it just that way because uh, greedy drunk drunken gypsies would be a, a, a pretty standard curse for, for <laughs> middle European people. Uh, I, I think that um, you're right that except for that action, which unfortunately mm-hmm. is the mm-hmm. thing that resurrects the monster and right. starts the mm-hmm. whole thing off mm-hmm. you're right that um, once these people once we're talking about the the main characters and people who mm-hmm. care about one another and who have some investment in each other as an emotional concern for each other yeah you're right mm-hmm. which is very interesting and that is something that crops up repeatedly mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. his in his screenplays and his mm-hmm. stories as time right. goes on so yeah. yeah i agree so um Final thoughts on this. Just one, one, one last question yes. before we wrap this up. Uh, where would you place this uh, in his filmography? Would you rate this uh, top thirty percentile, mm-hmm. middle mid range, mm-hmm. bottom third? Where would you put this? Um, and this, of course, would be an interesting question to ask again once we've gone through a lot more of these. Yeah. You know, because a lot of these stuff we're going to be watching for the first time in a long time. Uh, some of this stuff, and so we'll be reevaluating them. Uh, just as like after seeing it, I feel like it's probably one of the maybe one of the most beautifully filmed of all of Nashi's films. Now, again, as we go further, I may start to find it slip more to the middle of the pack once I start reacquainting myself with more of his films. But my, my feeling right now is I would probably put it in, in the top third. Somewhere really? in the top 30. Okay. Yeah, I probably would. Yeah. I actually, I have to admit, I put it in, I put it in the mid-range. Okay. Um, I put it in uh, maybe high mid-range, mm-hmm. but still the mid-range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there are much now, better films later on. Yeah, and, and again, it would depend on how many we're talking. I mean, if we're talking like top ten, you know, I'm I'm thinking, I'm not I'm necessarily not, I'm thinking. Ta- I'm ta- I'm talking I would I'd about probably put it in top. Or... I'd probably yeah, I'd probably put it in top. My feeling right now, I'd put it probably top fifteen, something okay. like that. Of a film, yeah. Uh, for my range, I, I put it mid range. I think mm-hmm. it's I think it's a good mm-hmm. but not great film. It has mm-hmm. some wonderful things in it, mm-hmm. uh, but he had better things in him, and they started to come out mm-hmm. in, in the following years. Yeah. Okay, well. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. This is uh, the first Nashi cast, uh, mm-hmm. the films of Paul Nashi. Uh, we'll be bringing you, in a few weeks, we'll be bringing you the second one of these, in which we'll focus on another one of his genre efforts. Uh, my name is Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we will talk to you again soon. See you later.